I'm Amy Lettingham. I'm a master certified dating and relationship coach. And I'm Kevin Lettingham, Amy's husband and a former reality and docuseries TV producer director. And together we want to welcome you to Sex, Love, and Mindful Dating. We created this podcast to help singles become more mindful in their dating choices on their quest to find lasting love. And what better and more fun way to do this than combine our forces and break down some of the top dating shows to see what the contestants did right and where they went off the deep end. Also, we're going to give you an insider's perspective, mine, of this reality dating world and what makes it tick. The series we're going to dissect for you is Netflix's monster hit, Love is Blind. Before we dive into episode one, this is our very first podcast, and we'd like to do many more. If you like the show, you can help make that happen by hitting the subscribe button and also giving us a five-star review. It really can help us. Thank you. Please note that if you haven't watched the show, just a reminder, there are spoilers ahead. All right, so this show came out in February of 2020 this year. Now, Netflix doesn't come out with actual Nielsen ratings, so you never know how big of a hit this show is, but they already greenlit season two, which is going to be in Chicago, my former hometown, and season three at an undetermined location, which tells you that whatever numbers they have, they think this is a monster. They're already putting money out for the next couple. So let's start by asking my wife, the dating expert, before you saw Love is Blind... Do you believe love is blind? Absolutely. I think you can have an emotional connection with somebody through knowing their core values and their character and fall in love with who they are. Absolutely. Well, what if the people are not attracted to each other, but they're connected? I'll tell you from my own personal experience that I talked to a guy online that I met in Seattle. And when we finally met in person, even though I fell in love with his personality, there was no chemistry. It didn't work. But I think what Netflix did really well is they did cast a fairly even playing field and they gave people a fighting chance. Yeah. So I agree. I think if you really connect with someone and you're really into them, that feeling that you have can bring itself to love. But as a guy, if you're not into the girl physically. That's it. There's no way. I mean, I I know women probably, maybe you agree that women can overlook a man's looks a little easier than a man would a woman. Uh, That's just my personal opinion. It's true. The one thing that I've noticed with men is that they're very visual. So it is important. But I've also talked to men that fell in love with a woman's heart and she became more attractive to him. And the same goes with women. Like, you know, I always see women dating maybe a guy that's not as good looking or as fit as that woman is, but she's absolutely in love with him because he makes her feel safe and secure. And that's something that's really important when it comes to love and women. Well, I guess we'll find out uh, in the series as it moves on who actually does connect. And then more importantly, if they stay together, uh, if you watch any of the Bachelor shows or any of those, I think they're on season 25 of that. And there's only a handful of people that are still together. So statistics are not in all these uh, contestants favor to stay together. But we will see. Um, For those of you who are not familiar, this uh, show was shot in Atlanta, Georgia. All the contestants do live in the same town, which I think is really smart because the Bachelor type shows and all these other shows, Flav of Love from back in the day Mm -hmm. and all the the Bachelorette and uh, some of these other uh, dating shows, they never live in the same city. And I think that makes it super hard. 
uh, for you to be able to continue to build a connection. The other thing that is really great about this series is that all these dates in the first episode between the contestants are in what they call pods. And in these pods, the men and women are each separated by a common wall. So one man in a pod, one woman in a pod. They basically talk to each other through a speaker system so they can't see each other at all. Hence the blind in the title, Love is Blind. I love the way they set up the pods because it feels like your living room. So you feel really like disarmed and comfortable. And plus, there is a lot of alcohol. <laughs> that is true. All these shows do seem to like their uh, their alcohol. I think they know like, you know, when you're drinking, you're going to be more vulnerable and open and more fun. So I'm sure that's why there's a lot of alcohol flowing. So as we move on to the podcast, we're going to focus on just a few of the characters that were in episode one. So let's talk about Lauren. What did you think of Lauren? You know, I love Lauren. I thought she was so real, so raw. She's really funny. And her opening line on the show kind of set up the whole entire series for me. She said, I want someone to love me, not for just my outside, but for my inside too. And when we're 95 years old and my boobs are dragging on the floor, I need you to love me for my saggy boobs. Kevin, when I'm old and my boobs are saggy, would you still love me? I will. I will. <laughs> well, now, are we thinking your boobs are going to get saggy? You never know. All right. All right. Well, we'll I might need some hold, somebody to hold them for me while we're walking. I can do that. <laughs> I can do that. I will be the saggy boob holder. You've got a husband that will do TMI, that. TMI, guys. I'm so sorry. Yes. Sorry about that. <laughs> so let's take a moment to talk about Lauren and the guy she connects with, which is Cameron. So Lauren is the content producer. Um, she's black. And then Cameron is a scientist from Maine who lives in Atlanta, who is Caucasian, white guy. So I love Cameron and Lauren because, number one, they were given notebooks and a pen. Everyone was. And some couples were sitting and drinking wine rather than taking notes, where Cameron and Lauren were really intentional. You could tell they were very analytical people. They were asking open-ended questions. They were actively listening. And the most important part is they were asking questions that brought out vulnerability. It wasn't just like, ooh, where do you like to hike? You know, it was like, when's the last time you cried? And tell me about the story. I mean, that's really some powerful questioning and it brings the two of them together. And they both cried. I mean, they brought me to tears, but they both talked about their family and how important family was to them. And that showed you a lot of character, you know, especially with him crying as well. Yeah, because I, I did feel like the moment they walked on, there was like a calmness and a slowness and an ability to just, they were just connecting immediately. And you don't see that very often from people. No. You just don't see, especially in a dating show. Usually people are in a hurry. They're fast. They're like, they want to be funny. They're on. They weren't like on. It was like, it was amazing to watch. Well, to me, they weren't trying to prove themselves so much. They were trying to screen the person. And I always say this, like, you want to be the chooser instead of being chosen. And I felt like the two of them talking about deal breakers and red flags. And none of the other couples were really talking about that. But the two of them were focusing on each other and, and their own core values. I'll admit, from the beginning... I cried a bunch when I watched them. <laughs> I know, I did too. <laughs> we and, were crying together, actually. <laughs> and, 
and from very early on. And I think it was a combination of they're an interracial couple. And I think that idea that they couldn't see each other and they were like connecting on this human level, that excited me. I agree. I mean, I think they are really good role models to show us what good looks like when it comes to dating. They're thoughtful, intentional, self-deprecating, really funny. And I have to say, I love that through the camera, you can see their authenticity. They just seem like genuinely good people. So let's talk about Jessica and then her guys. She's kind of choosing between two guys, Mark and Barnett. So where Lauren and Cameron were like super intentional and super core value oriented and all this, Jessica was a little different, wouldn't you say? Yeah, I would say she... Every single time we saw her, she had a wine glass or some type of cocktail in her hand. And I think she was pretty bombed the whole entire time. Um, and she wasn't being very intentional because she was busy talking about herself. She would ask questions so that she could talk about herself more, but she wasn't asking open-ended questions. They weren't very vulnerable. You know, I think they talked about sports, they talked about dogs, um, but there wasn't anything that was going too deep. And at one point, Barnett even said, I haven't got deep with her yet. And they had been on a couple of dates already where Lauren and Cameron, like within the first date, they were like talking about family, you know? <laughs> and I'd say one thing about Jessica, Jessica is like an unbelievable train wreck. wreck. I'm so sorry for saying yeah, that. She is. She's good TV. <laughs> She's really good TV. I hate to say it, but you need characters like that to... You can root for her, you can root against her, you can roll your eyes, but whatever. She's just, every time she's on, something interesting's going on. Usually. Yeah, and she, you know, the one thing that I saw is that even when she talked about being vulnerable, and she's like, we're going to just talk about the big things right now, I think she would ask, like, one question, and then he would answer it, and she'd be like, me too, and then she'd go into herself again. So there's a lot of, I think, narcissism that was going uh, on there because she wasn't really paying attention to what he was saying. She was more concerned about him liking what she was saying. And I think, you know, one of the things with Jessica right off the bat where Lauren was talking about like wanting people to love her for who she is, Jessica's first interview by was like, I want the most perfect marriage. Oh my God. <laughs> Welcome to the world of fantasy. Oh, God, yes. <laughs> Perfect marriage. Those are there. If there's ever a oxymoron, that's it. You know, no marriage is perfect. We have a lovely marriage. Amy and I have a lovely marriage, but perfect? No. Uh, what is, We're not perfect people. No. There's no perfect marriage. No, but, but when you're saying that, the best. <laughs> when you're saying you have a perfect marriage, you're living in that kind Fantasy of Cinderella. Uh, she dates like a high school girl. Yeah. There was a moment and you're like, oh, Jessica's going to get, she's talking to Barnett <laughs> and she's like, oh, she's going to finally do it. She goes, I have a question about intimacy. And you're like, yes, she's going to say something amazing, something deep. And then she goes, what do you think about dogs in bed, Barnett? <laughs> I'm like, dogs in bed? What does that have to do with... I mean, I get it. By the way, I am pro-dog in bed. Totally pro. Buddy, our dog, our pug, super pug, he sleeps with us. Yes, he does. So that would not be a deal breaker for Amy and I because we are all for that. So it's fine. The Both of them happen to let their dogs sleep in bed, which was nice. But when you're going after intimacy, that's not intimate. No. The fact that she thinks it is is... Yeah, and that's scary to me because, you know, she 
even with that question, she didn't go deeper with intimacy. It was always jokes. And it shows me that um, she has a hard time being vulnerable, really hard time being vulnerable. And that's probably why she's drinking so much because it's really uncomfortable. The two guys that uh, she's going after are Barnett, who's kind of the tall, good-looking, kind, kind of, of like a, a player, jock guy. Jock guy. Yeah. yeah. And then Mark, who's a shorter, but but kind of like a, you call him, what do you, how would you describe Mark? He feeds off of romance to me. He's kind of like the intense guy that's like the love bomber that comes in really strong. And it's like, if he likes you, that's it. That's it. And he's not really intentionally thinking. He's just trying to capture your attention, win you, and like get you. And then once he gets you, then all game, you know, all bets are off. He's kind of just like goes goes backwards. <laughs> Cause I remember he said when he first walked in the pod and he heard Jessica say, Hey, he said, I'm all in. I'm going after her. I want I knew I had to have you. And he was kind of like from hey? Yeah. Where like Cameron and and uh Cameron and Lauren are like trying to get to know each other. He's like, he knew he wanted her from yeah. hey. Yeah, and that's what we were talking about, how Cameron and uh, Lauren are real, much slower in their progression, but they were slow, but they were fast because they were talking about the important stuff where him, he was like, you know, it's almost like that chemistry piece. Again, lust. He was lusting after her voice and didn't know a lot about her and still just wanting to win. It was more about winning than choosing the right partner. Mm -hmm. And then there was a moment with Cheska where also she was like, okay, her and Mark are decided they were only gonna go after the big questions. This is like date two. So then what does she talk about? She's <laughs> She talks about her last relationship with a guy who you know, uh, was 41 years old and that he was expecting too much from her. Then instead of like asking the question, she started going into, I want this, I want that, I want this. And just to let you know, as a relationship coach, that's a big mistake. It's like, you need to, instead of just focusing on demands and telling people what you want, you also have to find out what they want and how it aligns with you. And let's somebody like Mark, who's a love bomber, he's gonna take the opportunity of hearing, oh, she's making this easy for me. I just need to tell her what she wants. And I think that is her huge mistake because Mark is going to say whatever he can to win her over. Yeah, I mean, he was definitely all in very fast, which was not like, and Barnett was a little more pulled back. So he actually, what well, he brought out his ukulele and was playing his ukulele, which by the way <laughs> is, I don't know. That, that was, was the producers involved in that one? No, uh, that <laughs> ukulele was like a panty dropper 101 for him. He's like, if I bring out my ukulele and I play it, they'll think I'm so cool and so cute and so different. I'm like, no, <laughs> this is a guy from Georgia who uses his last name as the first name. He's not ukulele guy. He, <laughs> this is so contrived. But anyways, he's handsome. And it is, you know, he's very he is witty and witty. And, and I remember Jessica even said she one of the things she loved about him was he says he's a player. Yeah. And that to me showed me a lot about her character that she really, really likes emotionally unavailable guys and like attracts like to me. So to so that tells me that she's emotionally unavailable. Hence the reason why she doesn't ask those deeper questions and she's drinking a lot. 
I'd like to take a moment to talk to you about my free ebook, Five Dating Traps to Avoid. It gives you tips to avoid all the traps that make your heart break. So go to amythedatingcoach.com and that's spelled A-M-I-E, thedatingcoach.com. So when we get to like day, day four, so we're kind of, it, it jumps ahead from day one and everyone's there and now we're on day four. It's pretty amazing that Cameron and Lauren, I think Lauren says it first. I love you. I mean, that was really powerful. And then he actually didn't skip a beat and he said, I love you too. I cried. I cried too. <laughs> I cried. I will admit. I mean, you could feel the love through the television. Like we're watching the show and you can just feel the energy and it it, it, it moved into my heart. Yeah, it did. I will say that reality shows, which by the way, as someone who watches very little of them, because uh, I, I worked in that industry for a long time, to get sucked into a show that has a format is pretty hard for me. And this is a great example of how real these people were because I was sucked into the realness and the reality in reality TV is not always there. You yeah, know, they call true. it reality, but people are usually, that's, that's one thing that's interesting about these shows is that you have these people who's a lot of times they're on the show to be famous or they're yeah. on the show to get on TV or they're on the show to find someone, but maybe not fall in love. But these two were full on focused and it was almost like the camera wasn't there yeah yeah but do you believe they're really in love i do believe that they're in love because you know if he's crying talking about family that's eliciting a lot of character in him yeah but you can cry i mean let's be devil's advocate here you can cry and let the girl know you have a sensitive side but that doesn't mean love i mean i i'm not sure they're really in love because they, they haven't seen each other they haven't seen their warts yet. But I think that there is that sense of love because of that core value connection. I'm not saying that there things will change once they meet in person. Like we we talked about, I met, I talked to someone and felt like I really was falling in love with this person. And then I met them and the chemistry wasn't there. But I do feel that there is a sense of, oh my gosh, I've aligned with this human being in a deeper way than I've ever done anywhere else. She said a funny story. Statement. She goes, I've had food in my fridge longer than the time that I've known Cameron. And that's hilarious. So Mark comes in with this wonderful line, I want you. You know what? It just dawned on me the whole entire time she was talking about what I want. I want, I want. And he says, I want you. They both speak the same language. <laughs> it's not very deep. It's just a lot of I wants. That shows me actually the two of them are, are are probably more selfish than they are giving or thoughtful towards each other. When you contrast I love you versus I want you, the psychological difference between those mm -hmm. is massive. I mean. And I want you is more of a selfish point than I trust you and I love you. It's about what I want as a person. So yeah, I feel like the two of them are kind of selfish probably. They're kind of alike. Yeah, they are alike. But that is an interesting question. If they're both alike, does that make them a good potential couple? But if you have weaknesses or downfalls and those are alike, that's not good. 
So you actually want to find somebody that will compliment you and pull you up from your weaknesses. Uh, For example, in our house, I suck at doing the dishes and the laundry. (laughs) I happen to be good at those. And so you compliment me there, but I, I do cook. And then when something breaks, right? I'm, I, I'm a daughter of an engineer, so I love to fix things. And so therefore we complement each other there, but our core values, you know, we are very alike, but for Jessica and Mark, I feel like their negative things are alike, which is not going to be working for them. Well, I think the the big thing for this is I think a lot of women make this mistake. Yeah. They think that because a guy is showing them a lot of attention and is very into them, that that should be something they like. That's Yeah, not because what it's we've about. all been taught that we're supposed to be chased after. And I really think we got to be careful in the word chased, right? There's courting, there's respecting someone and taking your time and getting to know them. And then there's somebody that's so intense, that's in your face, that's not even giving you your space. It might feel good for the moment, but those people tend to do that with every person they meet. They're not intentionally doing it because you're special. It's because you happen to fill the void and in that moment. And then Barnett, I love the, the fact that Barnett, Mr. Ukulele himself, he basically told Jessica, you've been high on my list. If there were no other girls here, I would propose to you. Just the funny part is she didn't hear if there were no other girls. The only thing she heard is, he said, propose to me. No other guy has ever said that to me. Oh my gosh. Talk about missing the other information. The fact she didn't dump him at that moment. Can you imagine what Lauren would have said at the same thing? If there were no other girls here? I, I mean, would propose to you. That means that I'm second, third, or fourth best. I mean, why? That tells you that she doesn't even. It's 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 also saying she doesn't hold value to herself. She doesn't know that she should be top pick. And I would totally walk away from that. You know, I would lose interest. It, even though he's being transparent and honest, it's she's not number one. I think she even said, "I'll." dump Mark because she's into Mark and to yes. and to Barnett. And I think she kind of laid it out like, if you want me to break up with Mark. I'll break up with him right now. That's what she said. And I'm like, well, then he should have, she should have said, do you want me to do that? Yeah. And, he and then he anything. could have said, well, maybe not. Maybe Ugh. Then I'd be like out of here, right? Yeah. No, I, I think, but again, great TV. Great TV. Great TV. I mean, this thank woman. Thank you, Jessica. Thank you, Jessica, for making <laughs> our lives a little bit better. Because you don't have a clue. All right. Moving on. So let's go back to Cameron and Lauren. By day four, uh, it was pretty clear what was happening with them. And then what happened? Yeah, he walked in the room. And by the way, they both look gorgeous. (laughs) And he said, are you sitting or standing? And she said, "Uh, I'm sitting. And he said, well can you please stand and get closer to the wall? He got down on one knee and I was like, whoa. And he told, he proposed to her. It was so romantic. I think all of us that maybe don't believe in like that fantasy story, we're like, oh my gosh, it's happening. It's like the fantasy is coming to real life. (laughs) And the amazing thing is he actually used her middle name in the proposal. Yes. 
Oh my gosh. I've never, that was a genius move. Cause it also told you like he not only was paying attention, he must've wrote it down or yeah. something. It was Michelle, was it? It was Michelle, Michelle. yes. So he used her middle name and that tells you something. Yeah, it tells you that they actually spent time to get to know each other in that deeper level. And he was it was almost intentional that he used her middle name. You know, it's like, I know you that well. And the funny thing is, I don't remember if by date three or four, if I knew your middle name, I don't think I would have. I don't know. Although yours is pretty fun. Amy Van Lettingham. <laughs> well, now it's Lettingham. Back then it was dang, but... but <laughs> You know, I didn't use your middle name when I proposed. Now I kind of have buyer's remorse. I should have used it. That was well, genius. Well, usually you use the middle name when somebody gets in trouble. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's true. But she, no surprise, said yes. And as the show came towards its conclusion, they set up that the two of them in episode two are going to meet each other for the first time, which yeah. should be amazing. But I think the producers did a pretty good job picking a group of people that would probably be attracted to each other. When we decided to do this podcast, I was wondering if there was any research on the topic of love being blind. And there was a study done in 1973 that was published in Psychology Today titled Deviance in the Dark. And basically what it was, researchers observed and compared conversations between strangers in well-lit rooms and then also with strangers in pitch black dark rooms. And there's a million dollar question for you. Did the couples in the dark or the couples in the light have a better connection? I think the ones in the dark probably had a better chance because of the fact that they had to rely on conversations, connection, without all the distraction of a face and, you know, all the distractions of the room. So they had to concentrate on building intimacy through conversations. You are correct, ma'am. Oh, wow. Yes, you are. (laughs) Those in the dark room were more open with one another and formed relationships easier than those who met in the well-lit room. That makes a lot of sense. Because I think in the bright room, not only do you have all the things around you, but you're so um, concentrating on if you're attracted to this person or not, you get distracted and you don't think about those type of questions that could bring a lot of intimacy. Now that... We've seen these results and we've seen Lauren and Cameron. I think it's pretty clear that you can bond without seeing someone. At least that part of the experiment of the TV show is 100% correct. The million dollar question that we'll have to wait and see in the subsequent nine episodes and then beyond that is, will they stay together? Um, that's where episode one comes to an end. Uh, we'll, we'll move on to episode two next week, but before we leave, we should talk about some of the tips and takeaways that you think are important for anyone listening. Tip number one is to ask open-ended questions and be an active listener. It's so important. Lauren asked this beautiful question to Cameron. When was the last time you cried? I mean, that just is beautiful. Number two is make sure you talk about the core values. These are your deal breakers, okay? In my conscious dating program, I call them your non-negotiables. They're pretty black and white. It's like, do you want kids or not? You can't have half a kid, okay? (laughs) So get clear on those for yourself because that's what you'll use to ask these important questions, open-ended ones, all right? So tip number three is to slow things down to speed things up. Now, I know Cameron and Lauren proposed within days, but they really, when they met 
uh, each day, they really took time to slow things down and talk about the important things. And that sped up their relationship because they were connecting in a deeper way versus other people that were spending their times in the pod sticking to surface level questions. And they were kind of jumping the gun because they wanted to be that next couple. That isn't what you want to do because that's based on a lot of superficial things. Tip number four is healthy relationships are not just built on love. No, no, no. They're built on trust, commitment, intimacy, respect, and good communication. And honestly, how you handle conflict. So those are my tips. And I got to tell you, I had a blast. This was so fun. What about you? No, I had a lot of fun. I wasn't sure what this was going to be like. I've never done a podcast before. Um, It's cool. And I will say thank you so much for you joining and listening in. I hope you enjoyed it and got a lot of takeaways. Um, We are so grateful to be able to watch these shows and give feedback to help you learn. Now, before we go, though, please remember, if you like the show, hit the subscribe button. Give us a five-star review. It'll help us get more shows to your ears. And also, let's say you want to talk to me privately. Come to my website. It's amythedatingcoach.com, A-M-I-E, thedatingcoach.com. And let's connect and uh, let's talk about your love challenges. Until the next time. Remember, if you want to be a mindful dater, you have to take charge of your love life. Adios. Bye-bye. Bye.